Darkcast Network. Out of the shadows come the best indie podcasts. Hi everyone, my name's Pat. And my name's Darcy. Welcome to the Pod of Terror. Darcy, I've got a very, very sexy, juicy story for you to start with. Um, A camera caught prison officer and inmate having sex in a cupboard in Birmingham. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) basically, she got caught bonking this inmate in a cupboard, um, and she was jailed for 16 months. Wow, that's a long time. It is, yeah. So, she was, um, she's 25, and she used the cupboard for play fighting, flirting, heavy petting, and penetrative sex with the inmate at Category B Men's Prison. And uh, (laughs) so what happened was she started an affair with this guy and slowly, like, you know, the other officers were, like, cashing in that, where the fuck is she? Because, like, she would literally be in the cupboard, like, giving him a blowy or whatever and her radio would go off and she would just ignore it. Wow. And they slowly started clocking on what's going on. They literally set up CCTV in that in that just cupboard. to catch her out yeah damn yeah and i actually tried looking at what this guy was in for but category b i think is their non kind of um dangerous stuff isn't it? it's probably drugs or something like that uh but yeah she got she got 16 months and did he I, get any kind of punishment not really no not as far as i can see um to be honest she's the one that's in the wrong she's the one because she's work. in the position of yeah, power exactly. she's at work so <laughs> yeah but um this is not the first time I've heard. Oh, story. I've heard loads. It's a very common, apparently, babe. It's very common for like it's um, weird, isn't inmates it? And and the um, supervisors or guards to to hook up. Especially yeah. in America, I've heard a lot of stories in America. Well, this is in yeah. the UK. Yeah, up north, you guys need to fucking keep your things in your. Twenty five as well. She's so young. She is. Yeah, yeah I know. Usually, I... the stories I've heard, they're like older women. And really? These guys, like these guys, like, and these are women that don't really. I'm not saying that they don't get checked out or anything, but they just <laughs> maybe they've got too much going on in their lives or whatever. They're lonely-ish, so these mm. guys can t- like manipulate them into doing things. But this looks more like free will. This looks like yeah, yeah. It looks, does, like the judge had like a go. Yeah, the judge had a go it. at her. Like you are oh, in shit. a position. Yeah, he was like you're in a position of power. This is very inappropriate because you are literally in a position to yeah. keep these people, you know, in check. And yet here you are sneaking off with one of them. That's really not... And then there's this, there's a bias as well, right? <clears throat> if things don't work out between them, or I mean, sorry, like if an issue between him and another inmate, she's going to mm. take his side and things like that. Well, yeah. there's also that, like special treatment and that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, there you so. go. Yikes. Well, anyway, we are going to move on to America. Nice. Today. On April 18th, 1906, an earthquake hit San Francisco. More than 3,000 people died and over 80% of the city was destroyed, not only by the earthquake in itself, but by the devastating fires that broke out and lasted several days. The San Francisco earthquake was one of the deadliest in US history. 18th of April 1955 was the day when Albert Einstein died. And bear with me, all of this information will make sense. Right. Yeah, yeah you know. do a fallback. Like, 1906, wow. <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm going a little bit far ahead, but trust me, okay. all of this will make sense. There's a link, so, all right, got yeah. it. Herbert Mullen was born on 18th of April, 1947. He was raised in a devout Catholic family, and his upbringing seemed pretty steady and happy, really. Not, nothing okay. to complain about. His father, Martin William Mullen, was a World War II veteran and he was said to be quite strict but not abusive. And also that was like kind of 40s, 50s, so strict 
yeah. would probably be abusive by today's standard, but at that time, you know, yes. it's like kind of regular stuff. Mullen did well in school. Um, he was very good at football. He was kind of a promising athlete. Um, despite his smaller stature, and he was voted the most likely to succeed by his classmates. Wow. Promising. Yes, very much so. He was engaged by 19, and it seemed he had a very bright future ahead of him as an engineering student. In 1965, his best friend, Dean Richardson, was killed in a road accident. Mullen really struggled with his death and his behaviour became odd, um, even for someone stricken with grief. Mm. Stricken with grief, sorry. It just kind of all went downhill from there. He turned his room into a shrine for Dean and spent hours looking at his picture in silence, just like literally... Yeah, it's hard when a friend dies because not everybody sort of like understands it. But when it's a family member, people feel bad for you, yeah. pity you. When it's a friend, they kind um, of like brush it off a little bit. Yeah, they're they? like, yeah, they don't take the, they don't under, but it hurts sometimes, probably hurts more. Yeah. You talk to your friends more, you hang out with your friends more than you do with. A lot of the time, friends are closer to you than your family. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And sure. it seems this way for this guy. Uh, Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll see. Yes. Well, um, after his death, he became uh, a bit more aggressive towards his fiance, and actually, he began worrying whether he was gay. Okay. He had those weird questions in his head. His fiance broke off the engagement because she couldn't take it anymore. She basically said that Malin wasn't the boy she knew or loved anymore. He was abusive, and you know all the kind of unbisexual stuff. She was just she couldn't take it. Uh, Mullen's behaviour continued to escalate. His family were getting increasingly worried about his well-being and they persuaded him to seek psychiatric help. They arranged for him to go to a psychiatric hospital, but once there, Mullen refused to cooperate with the doctors and he was released six weeks later with no real improvement to his condition. Because, you know, it's obviously a two-way street. Like, you can go in there willingly, but then if you don't want to speak to the doctors, if you don't want to get better... This faculty they can do, really. They can't help you if you don't yeah. want to help yourself. Especially back then, babe. It's probably even worse yeah. than right now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's the facts what you said anytime. You if you if you don't want help, no matter what no, the doctors, no matter it what can't your be family, pushed on yes, to you. just can't be. That's the thing. It's like you know, it's one of those things. Uh, in nineteen sixty six he runs into Jim uh, Genera. They knew each other from school and Jim introduced Mullen to weed. Soon enough, he was also taking LSD and other hallucinogens. There's always that one friend. <laughs> so yeah, basically, um, Jim also knew Dean. And he was just like, oh, mate, I know you really struggled with his death. So like, take some weed oh, cool. to take the edge off, like, you know, that kind of thing. She was just like, it will help. It will make you feel better. So that's how it happened. So, and to be fair, dropping acid wasn't that unusual at the time because we are talking about the 60s kind of thing. So the hippie movement was kind of reaching its peak at that time. Because That's obviously true. the Vietnam War, yeah. the whole thing, it was literally like up there. Uh, he wasn't exactly edgy to be no. taking drugs. It was just like pretty regular uh, at the time. However, the combination of hard drugs and a mental illness would prove to be quite deadly in his case. His erratic behavior continued escalating further. He did odd, random things because the voices in his head told him to. For example, he would stand on his head or, ritualistically, burn the end of his penis with a cigarette after meditating. Uh, so he, speaking of meditating, he got really interested in kind of Eastern religions. One second, sorry, babe. <laughs> I, 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 I need to process what you just said right now. <laughs> That's crazy. Take your time, take your time. Yeah. That must have hurt. And we don't even have penises. 
But that must have hurt. Mate, so like when I when I used to smoke and I got, we used to get really drunk as a child as a child when I was a child, like you know, but when you would like burn the cigarette and like burn your finger, even when you're pissed, it's yeah. just like Whoa! it hurts. It really hurts. But when yeah, you accidentally would... like brush it against your yeah. face your arm is yeah. like whoa. It really hurts. He... It's really painful. And where where, where the end of his penis that must hurt yeah that must so it wasn't just wow. the end of his penis like he would do it all over his body but like his penis was just like um, the creme de la creme yeah. <laughs> so to speak yeah it was really weird but yeah he, he any was... guys that's listening they must be crazy. holding on yeah. to your crotches right now <laughs> but sorry babe go on uh, yeah, so with the meditating thing, he got very interested in Eastern religions and, you know, that reincarnation, yeah. kind of like Buddhism, nah, 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 yeah. that kind of stuff. And um, he claimed that he was going to go to India to study yoga. Well, you know, okay. One night, when visiting his older sister for dinner, he began acting very strangely. Even, yeah, I mean, <laughs> everything about him was strange at that point. He would mimic every single thing his sister's husband did or said that night. So he would literally mirror, like, if his, if he, uh, picked up a fork, he would pick up a fork. If he said, Oh, how are you? He would say, How are you? He would literally, like, just mirror everything he was saying. It was very odd and very eerie for the family. It was probably funny for the first five minutes. Yeah. If but that. he did it the but, entire yeah, the night. Entire he did it for hours. Worrisome for sure. Yeah, they were like, what is going on right it's not funny anymore and apparently it's called um echopraxia and it is often a symptom of schizophrenia okay the next day the family took him to a psychiatric hospital he went in voluntarily but he left soon after he was like no actually i don't i don't fancy doing that so whatever Another time, apparently he asked his sister if she would have sex with him. And when she declined, horrified, he asked her husband the same question. So obviously the family were absolutely, they were like, what do we do about this? Yeah, it's quite terrifying. Uh, Once he made an aggressive sexual advance at his male friend. uh, And at some point he went to Hawaii with with an older woman. For some reason, I think just met, I don't know, it's like he was all over the shop at that time. He was just, Mm. you know. But then... She just left. He got committed in Hawaii, like, you know, to a psychiatric institute. Like, it was, he was in and out, basically. Okay. At the time. So, yeah, in between all of these incidents, he was going in and out of mental health facilities. And he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Unfortunately, all his visits in hospitals were very short-lived. Um, he was getting prescribed medications and, you know, he was told to attend um, group therapy sessions, but yeah, it was just, it wasn't good enough. Was he taking his uh, meds at the time? On and off. So that's the issue. That's the issue because he was a monitor. So he was just like, he would take them and then he would stop. And then he was like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't constant. So that was part of the problem, really. Uh, He wouldn't take them half the time. Uh, He was also getting in trouble with the police for drug possession and some minor misdemeanors. Because obviously he was on drugs as well, like weed, you know, like acid, all of that. So that wasn't great. It was really quite concerning. He would wear a big black sombrero and pretend to be Mexican. Like he would literally walk around with a big sombrero on his head and throw a Mexican accent, apparently, and just pretend to be Mexican. Uh, then he really got into boxing. Out of the blue, he he started like attending like a little boxing club, and he was actually apparently he was really good. And yeah, he, but he was good at football, and he was clearly athletic when he was younger, right? Yeah, he was. So yeah. it probably would have helped. And does it help by any chance, but to be like into something like when you're having this kind of mental issue, does it help when you're into I, sports or you have something to do? Uh, I, I think don't know. Physical activity can't be 
bad for no. you. But then when he attended the club, um, he was perhaps a little bit too competitive or too into it. Um, because during one of the matches, he, like, it was pretty constant. Like he wouldn't stop pummeling his opponents. You know what, babe? I didn't even think of that. That's a, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So literally, the trainers yeah. had to take him, like you know, drag him away from the opponent because he just would not stop. So it was a little bit like that's scary. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Do you know what it is, babe? Like when already when you're like when you're punching and you're in, into that thing, you're already like your emotions are high. You're in in the zone. I think especially sports like boxing yeah. are very kind of high adrenaline. Exactly. And, you know, if like, once you start, I don't know. I feel like boxing would make me angry, and if I am angry, yeah. I am I am going for it. Yeah, that's true. If and if you've got that kind of mental health illness, but that yeah. just makes you extra, extra kind of yeah, exactly. you know on edge. Then yeah, and it, the, literally trainers had to pull him off the opponent. It makes sense actually. Yeah. It makes sense how that would actually take make him go even worse. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. To be fair, he was kind of like a flag in a wind. So one minute he wanted acid and weed legalized, and actually he even had a legalized acid tattoo on his belly, like a huge ass tattoo. Legalized acid jokes. <laughs> I know, I know, but then. The next minute, he was a raging conservative who acts absolutely despised hippies. And he was like, oh, these dirty, long-haired bastards. But, you know, he was anti-war and then he was applying to join the Marine Corps, which, by the way, he was accepted for. But he refused to sign a document acknowledging his criminal records, so he was dismissed. So just because he was like, no, I didn't do it, I'm not signing that, they were like, well... You can't come in then. And apparently the sergeant that was kind of, um, you know, yeah. interviewing him, he was kind of on the fence. He was like, I'm not sure if he's the right person for this, but he kind of managed to convince him. But in the end, he didn't get in anyway yeah. because I was like, I'm not signing that yeah. piece of paper. So yeah, it's, it's very odd. I don't think you should have passed that interview, to be honest. That is what yeah. I thought because Marine Corps, you would think that they're psychological because he did pass the psychological test. That's it's, crazy. It's crazy. And it's like, what kind of people are in there? Do you know what, babe? That's the thing about these things. We don't know how it works, but no. the human mind sometimes, when it needs to, it can do the like it can be it can do the correct thing or whatever's necessary to be the correct thing. Yeah, and then it can flip another time. Like I'm surprised he he passed that. I was really I was really surprised when I read that he yeah. actually passed everything apart from like signing the fucking wow. criminal record, which is just so random. Marine Corps, like you said, is hardcore. Yeah. You know, it's very um physically uh, draining. But it's really draining. weird because I think earlier or maybe later he applied for um Coast Guard. Didn't accept him. <laughs> so honestly, I am so confused as to what the test kind of entailed. I have no idea what's happened there. But uh, yeah, anyway, well, he didn't, you know, go to any of them in the end anyway. In May 1971, he moved to San Francisco where his family couldn't really keep an eye on him anymore because they were in um, Santa Cruz, so it's like an hour away. So, you know, after punching holes in his apartment floors, he was evicted. So he went back to his parents anyway. Okay. Around the time, a major earthquake was predicted to hit California. However, it was predicted by some random guy who, well, he claims to have been a scientist. Well, he wasn't really. He was just like another nut job, just like, you know, saying, oh my God, we're going to get an earthquake, whatever. So, you know, no one really believed him, apart from Mullen. By 1972, the voices in his head were telling him to kill. In October of 72, he was driving through the Santa Cruz Mountains when he saw a homeless man... Lawrence White. 
He stopped the car a little way ahead and opened the bonnet. When Lawrence drew a level with him, he was walking along the road, Mullen asked if he could take a look at the engine because he was kind of having some issues and he didn't, you know, he wasn't sure what was going on. Yeah. So he was like, can you please take a look, mate, and see what's going on. As Lawrence bent down to take a look and inspect it, Mullen bashed him in the head with a baseball bat. He then drove off, leaving the body by the roadside. Mullen later said, then the ball was rolling. Eleven days later, Mary Guilfoyle, a Santa Cruz University student, caught a ride with Mullen. She was late for a job appointment, so she gladly accepted the you know the ride from a smallish kind of non-threatening man. He was kind yeah. of five nine, I believe. He was quite slim, and yeah. he had he had a fairly kind of normal, nice looking face. Yeah. So she was like, "Okay, I'll 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 go for it." Mullen drove her to an isolated location along the way, where he stabbed her, cut open her body ripped out her internal organs and scattered them around for the birds of prey to eat. Wow, that's a big jump from murder one and murder two, isn't it? Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, that's 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 quite quite a step up. It took four months to find her remains and by then obviously they were pretty much skeletal. Yeah. There, there was not much left. A few days after Mary's murder, he has a moment of kind of, uh, let's call it, religious clarity. Because obviously his religious upbringing, he was like, of course, <gasps> the sin. And so he went to confession in St. Mary's Church. So he went there, he confessed, but then <sighs> he beat and stabbed Father Henri Tomei to death. So he basically went to the confessional, he told him, apparently he told him, like, you know, his sins, and then he basically killed him. There was a woman in the church who saw a young man dressed in black kicking Father Tomei as he lay on the ground, but he fled and she didn't get a proper look at him. The assailant left some fingerprints on the scene. Around that time, the voices in Marlon's head changed it up a little bit. He could hear people, actual like real, you know, real life people, asking him to kill them. And they were basically consenting to being killed. Also, his father telepathically ordered him to murder people. He would say, why won't you give me anything? Go kill somebody. Move. So that's what he heard from his father in his head. He decided to target John Hopper, a friend of his. But when he turned up at John's house with a hunting knife, there were nine other people there. So obviously... He couldn't uh, do anything about that. No, I suppose John didn't consent to murder no. that day. No, <laughs> didn't consent after all. No, no, he was like, nah, not today, no, bro. today. So then Mullen went and bought a gun. He realised what was the reason for his brain being a little bit fried, because he knew, he kind of understood that, like, this is... Not right. Yeah, yeah. something, something fucking is going on yeah. in my brain. And the reason for that was Jim Janeira. Is that how I said it before? I think so. Okay. Jenny friend that introduced him yeah. to weed and acid, yeah. <laughs> he decided... Jim, old Jimmy boy. Sorry, we've gone. <laughs> old Jimmy boy. <laughs> he decided that when Jim introduced him to drugs, weed specifically, because, you know, we all know that weed is a very dangerous drug. There's a gateway drug, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Yeah, no, it's not. Personal opinion. But anyway, yeah, he decided that when, obviously, Jim introduced him to drugs, it was the beginning of his brain being turned into mush. Um, and, you know, Mullen said, it's Janeera. It, sorry. If Janeera had given me some Benzedrine instead, I would have become an artist. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there he there he goes blaming the drugs that he's taking. So, basically, yeah, he blamed Janeera for introducing him to drugs in the first place. Mm. So, Jim had to be punished. 
Malone went looking for Jim at the last address he'd known him to live at, where 29-year-old Kathy Francis opened the door. She directed him to Jim's new address just down the road. So he, Jim didn't live there anymore, but no. he was just like, you know, a little bit further down. So he went there. Malin shot Jim. So he found him at that address. Jim was there. He shot him. As he was, as Jim was crawling upstairs trying to warn his wife, Joan, to, you know, lock the bathroom and just try to escape, Malin shot her too. Oh no. Both of them were also stabbed and it sounds like it was a very kind of, um, it was overkill. Pretty much overkill. Yeah. He literally like, you know, went a little bit over the top of the crime scene. After the murders, Mullen returned to Kathy's house, where he murdered her and her two young sons, aged nine and four. So, Kathy... I Kathy, knew it, because you said her full name. I was like, oh, great. It's never good. <laughs> yeah. When you said her full name, I was like, oh, great. There's something going to happen <laughs> You just know something, something is going to come up. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, Kathy's husband, Bob, was a drug dealer, and so was Jim actually so the police you know obviously they came to the oh, crime shit. scenes they were like all right well we see it but they basically dismissed it as um drag related okay yeah they were just like they literally said quote it's not a case of some crazy man running around shooting people which um was an exact which is exactly crazy. what was happening it's just yeah. like to be fair on the other hand you kind of like understand where they're coming from because both of, of them course, so yeah. bob Kathy's husband was not there because he was literally doing a drag deal, um, like wherever he was out of town doing that. And Jim was also a drag dealer, so you kind of like, yeah, you kind of have to understand where they're coming from at this point. But we'll get to it. <laughs> Twelve days later, he was ready to kill again. He was wandering the woods in the Cow State Park when he came across four teenage boys camping. Brian Scott Card, David Olika, Robert Spector and Mar Mark Dryberlis. They were camping illegally and their tent was essentially just a bit of tarp over some branches so it wasn't even a property, they, you know. Yeah, it's like so it makeshift stuff that boys do. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, literally that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, Malin was very offended when he saw the boys because he was told off by a park ranger for doing the exact same thing that they were doing. And basically, it was a weird thing because he, he was camping off in the woods like a little, I don't know, a few days before that. He actually pulled a knife on the park ranger. Okay. And the ranger was like, bro, really? So he was arrested, but he didn't stab him. He didn't do anything. No. He just kind of threatened him. And, you know, they kind of cautioned him, whatever, whatever. I think he got like a minor kind of... Um, yeah, just a caution, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he was really offended when he saw the boys. And he was like, how dare you? So I don't get away with it and you do we're not going to have it that way so he told them to pack up and leave just fuck off because they were defacing government property and if he wasn't going to get away with it then neither should they and so obviously the boys laughed him off they're yeah. like listen listen here boy man nah just go away so Mullen decided to he he had to kill them he had to but first he asked them um oh telefa tele tele Telepathically. 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 Fuck you. Telepathically. If he could kill them. And they all agreed. So the crime scene was discovered a week later by, by the brother of one of the victims. It was clear one of the boys was trying to claw his way out of the tent as they were being slaughtered because oh, you could God. see, like, as his body, yeah, where, where they found his body. Were they all, like, stabbed and, or shot or both? 
shot in the head all of them oh wow yeah it was it and was, that, and the brother looking they must have been like looking for him for days yes and the, I think I think the brother family. knew that they were camping out there it was yeah. just like kind of like oh what are we doing kind of thing but and then they didn't come he went to check up. on them yeah so you went to yeah. imagine go walking into that scene that must suck and you're in the woods as well which yeah. is creepy as fuck as it oh, is oh my anyway. god you think of that then you're worried for yourself after that isn't it yeah I think um, one of the interviews I saw so basically, when they found these bodies, there were two police officers who were at the scene overnight yeah. as they were processing everything. And he said that police officers never like to say that they're scared, but it was really eerie. I really didn't like being there because obviously, bloody hell, in oh, the woods, very honest the in the officer, yeah. yeah, very honest. Because yeah. like in the woods, you never know if this person is still around. Like 100%. they've got a gun, are they gonna? You never know. Yeah. So it's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And it's so easy to hide. Yeah, so easy to walk all around in the darkness. My God, that's yeah. scary. It's oh, yeah. seriously. So yeah, the youngest one was fifteen. Wow, so young, so young, and the oldest one was nineteen. They were just boys, you know, just doing boy things. Yeah, it's, it's really horrible. So yeah, they were all shot in the head, and he also stole their rifle and twenty bucks. Less than a week later, on thirteenth of February, seventy-three, the voices demanded another victim. As Malin was um, driving past the house of Fred Perez, who was in his driveway working and tidying up, Malin's father told him, telepathically, of course, you know, in his head, that that was it. This was the victim. Fred was a retired fishmonger and a boxer. And actually, as a boxer, he was quite successful. So he was like 72, I believe, at that time. And yeah, he was just enjoying his well-deserved retirement when Malin turned back around in his car drove past Fred really slowly and shot him and killed him in his driveway. Fred's neighbour heard the gunshot and looked outside and saw Mullen's car taken off. They managed to jot down the licence number and called the police and luckily they found Mullen a few minutes later and took him into custody. So finally... Finally. I was going to say, it was it's really growing. Yeah. Yeah, it was really growing this toll. Yeah, no, we've got him. We've got him in custody now. So when he was arrested at first, he refused to talk to the officers and he would answer all questions with silence. So literally they would ask him like, are you are you doing okay, um, uh, Herbert? Silence. <laughs> so everything was just, silence. <laughs> Fuck it. So obviously, obviously, I might start using that when like, people ask silence. questions I don't want to answer. <laughs> just like, silence. <laughs> I know, right? So, obvi- Jesus Christ. Understandably, the cops were really tired of that kind yeah. of game pretty quickly, so they put him away in a cell, but not before being told by Mullen that they were responsible for the three million killed in World War Two. And I was thinking, like, the three million what? Because if he's just talking about the US victims of World War Two, that's not right. And if he's talking about the entire, like, you know, the whole of it, that's That's also not not right. right. (laughs) So I don't know where he got the three million from, but I don't know. I would not want to be in his head because that no. sounds really fucking yeah, complicated. I don't want to know his no, 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 not at all. <laughs> so um, it was a struggle to piece um, everything together, obviously. It was a bit of a mess. Originally, he was charged with six murders, but slowly they were attributing more victims to Marlin. Also, at that time, there were a lot of murders in Santa Cruz area, the most notable being female hitchhikers being decapitated. So there were quite a few of those it was it was a mess it was a fucking mess but they obviously didn't match Mullen's style so even though the police would have loved to pin all of that on him they couldn't because it's completely different MOs and his MO was really even not that 
you know, it was just all over the shop. He didn't even have, exactly, he didn't have his yeah, own exactly. it was, way of doing it. Yeah, so they basically knew that, oh, okay, we can, we've got a few on him. Yeah. That, you know, the fingerprints and all of that, yeah. but that this isn't, we can't, we can't just pin everything on one guy. Did he at any point confess to any of them? Or uh, yes, he did. He did, so he, did, he told he did. them some of the He stuff told he them the truth in the yeah. end, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll get that. Okay. <laughs> um, so the DA, Peter Chang, commented, we must be the murder capital of the world right now. When asked why the murder rate was so high, he said, well, first, we've had a homicidal maniac who we know has killed 10 people. The reporter then mentioned the murdered hitchhikers, to which Chang rep- responded grimly, we don't have another homicidal maniac. <laughs> and actually, the other homicidal maniac will make a cameo in this story in a few minutes. Is that right? Hold on to your tits, it's going to be fun. Um, as they were piecing everything together, the police emphasised the drag angle, basically. So we've got the two drag dealers and their families, teenage hippies in their woods, so definitely a drag deal gone yeah. wrong, because, like, they, you know, they both had long hair, they were clearly kind of like, you know, the kind of... Oh, so they're assuming that could yeah, be drag they assumed well. that there was okay. basically like, some sort of drag-related yeah. thing. And then with Fred Perez, the retired boxer... No they, way. They found something on him? Oh, my God. They, well, they tried. They basically said that he had a grandson uh, who used drugs, so that's good enough, isn't it? Okay, <laughs> this now is, is stretching, isn't it? Very they're much reaching so. a little too high now. Yeah. But, yeah, okay, so they're going for this drug angle. Yeah, they, they are yeah. really trying to like you know make it a drug do they know about the previous murders prior to the drug dealers not yet not yet so they didn't know about them just yet yeah um in the end he was charged with 10 out of 13 murders so obviously the first three was the lawrence yeah uh mary and the priest okay so these three are kind of yeah were no so kathy kathy was the first kind of one and her children and her children jim and his wife yeah okay yeah so obviously jim was the first yeah so these kind of are the first ones um so he pleaded guilty to all of them he was just like yeah i was guilty straight away but the judge refused his plea because of the magnitude of the crimes um, and his his lawyer was basically bouncing off the walls trying to intervene but Mullen said I refuse counsel and he insisted on representing himself and they all went round in circles and that was not even the trial that was pre-trial hearing wow yeah so already there's this much drama he's yeah. just like no I plead, I'm guilty let's just fucking do it because yeah. I'm guilty that's it Psychiatrists were called in and they all agreed that Marlin was a paranoid schizophrenic and everyone knew that he committed the murders. Um, the only question was whether he was legally insane when he carried them out. While awaiting trial, Marlin was placed in an adjoining cell next to Ed Kemper. No way. Uh-huh. So what happened was Mullen got kicked out of the good cell with a shower. There was a good cell with a shower. Okay. And Ed Kemper was put in it. But Mullen took the bar of soap with him out of the cell. And Ed was like, oh, fuck's sake, where's the soap? So he asked uh, if he could use it. And Mullen said no. And Ed said, well, we've got one of those little shits in here then, I guess. <laughs> and he said he was a wimpy guy who hated big guys because he was intimidated by yeah. them. So Ed carried out a little, a little tiny, like kind of social experiment on Mullen. Quote, well, he had a habit of singing and bothering people when somebody tried to watch TV. So I threw water on him to shut him up. Then when he was a good boy, I'd give him some peanuts. Herbie liked peanuts. That was effective because pretty soon he asked permission to sing. That's called behavior modification treatment. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, Ed was a lot of talk from Ed. 
Oh, Ed. Oh, you yeah. know, Ed is very yeah. chassis. So yeah, literally Ed bought like 20 or 30, like little, you know, just little packets of peanuts yeah. because Herbie, Herbie apparently loved peanuts and he was just like, like a dog. That's like Pavlov's fucking this dog. Is a crazy, like it's crazy insane, bit isn't of it? story. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh my God, seriously. It's so, I don't know why, but it's just like, it baffles my mind that two fucking murderers like that. Oh, the same just, time. Yeah. You could make a sitcom out of that. 100%. A sick, sick Please. sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Kemper also thought that Mullen was a creep with no class. End quote. Herbie was just a cold-blooded killer, killing everyone he saw for no good reason. I guess that's kind of hilarious, my sitting here self-self-righteously talking like that after what I've done. Wow. <laughs> Why am I not uh, surprised he gave such a pretentious answer? I know. Oh, right? he's that, I know. Yeah, he's that kind I of know. guy. So, I know. Spot on. Fucking hell. Um, so yeah, Ed didn't particularly like Herbie and he actually offered to snitch if he ever heard him say anything incriminating. Okay. There you go. They they were not exactly besties, but there you go. Because like basically, the obviously the hitchhikers that was Ed's doing. Yes. They kind of overlapped yeah. the serial killers at the in the area, so that's why Santa Cruz at that time, early seventies, was just not a good place no. to be. And there was another guy also. Um, I don't remember his name now, but I'm sure we'll cover him in the future. Yeah. Yeah. It was no during that period, babe. Like the the seventies, sixties, seventies, eighties. There was just there was no back. good place to be yeah, at that there time. There wasn't, and there were just too many of serial yeah. killers. There was just Seriously. too many of them. It's just every time I hear about some of them overlapping, it's so interesting to me that yeah. these two fucking psychos are operating at the same yeah. time. It's just insane. And it, 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 to be a police officer or a law enforcement person during that period must suck. Yeah. Because it's like... How are you supposed to yeah, do it? How do you differentiate? How do you set them apart? How do you know there's more than one? You know, there's so much there, yeah. Yes, there's a lot to unpack, seriously. It's insane. But um, anyway, it's well known that, obviously, Camper had some serious mummy issues. Um, But in a minute, you'll find out that Mullen swayed the other way and... The hatred he had for his father was actually quite bizarre. Anyway, the trial started on the 30th of July, 1973, and it was a circus, as you'd expect. Mm -hmm. Mullen was quite disruptive, disruptive, as expected, and whilst the defence was trying to prove his insanity, the prosecution focused on his intense drug-taking and the horrific kind of overkill found at the crime scenes. A tape was played on which Mullen was talking to a psychiatrist explaining his reasoning for the killings. So, remember the San Francisco earthquake? Yeah. Well, being born on 18th of April, the anniversary of the earthquake, and Einstein's death, he believed that he was special, a designated leader of his generation. In his head, in order to stop earthquakes and other natural disasters from occurring, some people had to die to save millions. So, basically, he had to get enough people to, quote, consent to being murdered or to convince them to commit suicide to protect millions of others. Because of the importance of the mission, he didn't really think about the victims. Mm -hmm. So that was basically in his head. He was doing, you know, a godly mission kind of thing. And he, he would mention like the Jonah, Jonah story from the Bible. I don't know. The one with their well. I don't know. And he would have his own take on it. He, it's just very odd. But basically he thought he was. Oh, yes. he to, I forgot that there was a religious aspect to it as well. Like, yeah. On top of everything he's gone through, the drugs and the mental illness, and then they're quite intense. Always, like, you know, they like, went for these kind of people. I'm mm. saying, like, that have the mental illness. Religion can go one way or the other, and so mostly I hear it go the wrong way. Yeah. Where it just messes <laughs> with them more. Yeah. And the stories and everything messes with them more. But I have to say though, if I was born on Einstein's date of birth, I might think it's I'm a his, little the day of too. his death though. 
Oh, yeah, that's my not bad. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, it's just really, yeah. No. With that religion, yeah, he was kind of like, he was picking yeah. and choosing bits of from the Bible. And, and that's then, always how it is. They, they, yeah. they manipulate it to their And that's the thing. He would retell the story his way, not yeah. actually how it is supposed, well, you know, whatever. To, yeah. Bring his own weird take mm-hmm. to it. So it was just really odd. But uh, yeah, that was basically the San Francisco yeah. 906 um, earthquake was done. We can't let it happen again. So we must murder people so that you know it doesn't happen again it's yeah this so sorry was he born on the same day that Einstein? yeah so 18th of april oh so einstein died on 18th of to, april for his reincarnation so that um, he can save people yeah with her. the einstein thing <laughs> it's really odd as I'm just well trying to, like pinpoint how his brain must have thought at the time yeah isn't it? good luck to you with that because honestly no so the einstein thing i don't know it was so he died on the 18th of April and then there was something about him reading Einstein on Peace I think it's a book by Einstein yeah. I don't honestly I should have looked into it I'm probably sound really stupid right now but basically he said something about reading Einstein on Peace and then he said he needs to get a gun because he's a third Scandinavian and then he said in Switzerland people have guns and I was just trying to connect the Scandinavian and Switzerland because that's two completely that's different <laughs> but then he's American so yeah. he might not know that so I no. fucking know okay. and also I've never read the the piece the book the no. article whatever it was yeah. so yeah I don't want to sound like you know no. whatever but yeah his mind is kind of like yeah it's all over the place yeah that's it's going truth. in places you wouldn't yeah. think so yeah good luck trying to you know piece it all together I don't think there is a way to be honest no not yeah. really but he did well he took the stand during his trial and he explained to the jury that his family were to blame actually for what happened they hid quote the healthiness of bisexuality from him even though they were all secretly gay and tried repressing him to keep him from becoming too powerful so good luck unpacking this one hmm mm. There's he, so much going on in his mind. Seriously. Mad, the, that's mad. Just reading what he was saying yeah. is giving me a headache. I honestly believe that being him must have been exhausting. Must have been. All these thoughts in his yeah. head. Fucking hell, man. Honestly, I d- mm. I, I've got, my brain is quite it's quite honestly, hard being me because yeah. I keep on, like, my brain doesn't yeah, shut up. Yeah. But it's not like this. <laughs> Something yeah. like this. It's really... Yeah, and to be honest, babe, I just need one thing. I just need one thing to irritate me for me to have a, like, you know, just to give up on life and to stay yeah. in bed and eat to uh, eat uh, chips and watch cartoons. Mm. Literally. So imagine going through like having a mind that's just whizzing around constantly. Do you know what? Now, yeah, to be fair, banning this person's penis with cigarettes yeah. makes a bit more sense. Just to so stressed out. Just to yeah. like shut up the voices yeah. in your head for a minute. Uh, but yeah, anyway, he told the jury that his father was a mass murderer and that they should take his fingerprints and compare them against all murders in California and Oregon since 1925. He claimed his father would go around telling everyone he would kill them if they dared to play with Malin when he was growing up and that the playful kind of boxing matches they had in the kitchen before dinner were actually his father's death challenges. So obviously none of that is true. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously not to mention his father's telepath- telepathic messages ordering him to kill people. How is his dad reacting hearing all of this? He wasn't like, you know, what do you do? What like, do you do? Because you have to accept that your son and is they knew, Ill, yeah. They knew for a long time yeah. that he was ill and it yeah. was, you'll see that they, they have tried helping yeah. him. They tried so hard. 
But um, yeah, we'll get there at the end of the trial. But you know, I, I bet it wasn't. It couldn't have been easy for him to listen to yeah. that. He probably thought, "What? Well, what did I do wrong?" Because as far as we know, his father never did anything. Of Obviously, like we're talking, he was born in the forties. Yeah, fifties kind of upbringing is different to what it is now. Yeah. It was obviously probably there was a bit of like you know a bit. Of, Belt came off of like course, every now yeah. and again. Babe, I got beat up a couple of times. <laughs> it happens to all of us. Yeah. And, and I'm not, as an adult, I'm telling you, at the time I might have not like understood it. As an adult, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I kind of deserved it. <laughs> like whatever. Like we all go through that. But yeah, some yeah. people like when it's extreme or when it's really like yeah, mentally, um, like some parents, like some it's like guardians torture. that torture them mentally, that's when it takes it to the next yeah. level. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like the dad was that kind of. No, he was, was just like. Normal a... dad. Yeah. Regular strict but, father for the time. It wasn't. It doesn't sound like anything. When you were t- telling about the family, they did try to yeah. take him to hospital a few times. Straight they away, they did try to help. Yeah, so. straight away they were trying. Yeah. So it's just really. I imagine it was really hard for them yeah. to listen to that. But but his family were not the only ones he would blame. He also blames the cops for not keeping him in prison when he was arrested for drug possession. Because if they had, he wouldn't have killed anyone. Then would he? So it's everybody else's fault but his. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mullen did admit that he he ignored some messages to kill. So, for example, his father told him to kill his ankle, but he refused. And obviously, prosecution jumped all over that. They were like, well, so what you're saying is you're not as powerless to the messages, messages as you made it seem. Because he did say that, oh, another message came out in like January to kill someone. He was like, nah, I refused it because I didn't, I, I didn't want to kill anymore. So they were like... So stop chatting shit about the messages telling you what to do. Yeah, Yeah, you can choose. You can make a choice. They also pointed pointed out he took steps to cover his tracks. He used sandpaper to remove bloodstains from the baseball bat he used to kill Lawrence White. He picked up shell casings at the Janeiro house because they belonged to him. And, of course, he returned to kill Kathy Francis and her sons to remove potential witnesses. Not to mention killing Francis Tomei immediately after confessing to him. So that's kind of, that's very much very true. So it's a bit tricky. Yeah. One of the psychiatrists who examined um, Marlon thought that he was legally insane for the first three murders. So Lawrence, Mary and Father Tomei, but legally sane for the other 10. And the telepathy thing was basically invented by, invented by him to rationalize his actions. So he basically said, he was really sick for the first three and then he just carried on because he wanted to and then it was just a way for him to kind of make sense of what he was doing. Right. The jury deliberated for 14 hours. They found him sane and guilty for the last 10 murders. He wasn't charged with the original three. The jury found the murders of Jim Genera and Kathy Thomas to be premeditated, therefore two counts of first-degree murder and eight counts of second-degree murder as they were not planned, but rather, you know, carried out impulsively. So he was sentenced to life in prison. After the trial, the whole thing didn't sit right with their Jerry Foreman. He wrote an open letter to Governor Ronald Reagan. No way. He was the governor of California at the time. Big names are coming out of this story. Yeah, right. So, yeah, he was a governor at the time, and he basically wrote, the, the you know, the Jerry guy was like, no, no. He basically accused Reagan of being as responsible for the murders as Mullen because his administration shut down a ton of mental health facilities and they were gradually just kind of like, you know, shutting down all those facilities. And he was like, it's your fault that people like him keep on being turned away and, you know, 
you have to feel responsible. And Reagan only responded that Mullen's uh, release was a psychiatric mistake and that the state was not, quote, damping out on the street the previously hospitalised mentally ill, which they literally were. But, you know, blaming the government, we're all going to do it. Uh, however, you'll, you'll never win blaming no. the government. No, you never yeah. will. However, within a year of the trial, California passed a bill to prohibit the closure of any other mental hospitals. Well, that's good. So something yeah, happened. Yeah, that's progression. Yeah, because basically what happened was he was in and out of you know psychiatric yeah. institutions for a long time. His family really tried. He was he was not fit for one of those. He had to be in an like. Was it close? Like a facility yeah. where he is there twenty four seven because he would not take his medication. He would not attend the therapy groups. He needed to be somewhere twenty four seven. And apparently, like so, basically, his father at the time was a postal worker. Yeah. If they were to find a private facility, it would have cost about a hundred bucks a day or something like that. They would not have been able to afford it. Even like you know, it's just not possible. So that's why it's kind of like. He was he was clearly out of it. You know what I mean? He was clearly really unhinged. His family tried, but there's only so much they can do. And even apparently he was in and out of those institutions. And apparently one of the uh, kind of psychiatrists basically said that his, well, how did he, I don't want to like say it wrong, but basically his condition was grave, but he's a danger. Mm. He's an actual danger to society and to himself. And then he just let him out because there was nowhere, you know, there was just nowhere to put him because... Hospitals kept on getting closed down, closed down, closed down. So, you know, I kind of get why the, the jury foreman was kind of like, we need to like bring some sort of attention to this because yes, it's horrible what happened, but this could have potentially been prevented. I think so. If yeah. this man was actually kept away in a place where he's safe, being provided the kind of like, you know, I don't know, facilities and medication and care that he needs. But there we go. Uh, Mullen was denied for parole again and again, so he's tried several times. The last time was in March 2021, even though he was 73, he was denied. He was still... Oh, damn. Yeah. I get it, though, but still... Well, yeah, because he was still blaming his yeah. parents and sister for what happened um, during the latest hearing in 2021. He said that he did kill those people, but, quote, his parents forced him to do it by their inappropriate upbringing and they should be held responsible for it. Well, first of all, his parents were probably long, long fucking dead. I was just going to say, I doubt they're alive. <laughs> they're not around to be held yeah. responsible for anything. I wouldn't be surprised if the sister's gone as well, or the brother. Yeah. But even if they're around, they're still there. Well, well, his sister was older than him, so it's yeah. very likely that it's possible she's gone. So or he's or just... she's super old, chilling, enjoying her Yeah, retirement. she doesn't give a fuck anymore, does yeah. she? Uh, but yeah, he just, too, until he was fucking 73, he kept on blaming other people for it. He would never accept any, you know, there was no remorse. Yeah. Just always, he would blame, like, even during the trial, he would blame, blame his teachers, fucking friends, family, everyone else. But, um, yeah, up to, up to the last parole hearing, and then he died on the 18th of August 2022 of natural causes at the age of 75. It's an incredibly sad story, really, because I, you kind of, I kind of want to hate him, but I feel like he was seriously ill. As much as the prosecution 100%. was trying to argue, he was trying to... He probably had, like, some sort of moment of clarity where yeah, he was course, trying yeah. to... But it does sound like he was seriously, seriously ill. I, I don't think there's any question yeah. that he was... He's just not mentally right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a... The family really tried, and it's a shame, but, like... You know, you you telling us about how he was diagnosed as somebody that's extremely dangerous. Yeah. I just don't understand how you could, put, like, allow that... 
that kind of, you mm. know, that you, how you can allow a person who's diagnosed and told to be dangerous out on the streets. I think that they did a... And I know it's not the fault of the people that were working no. there because if there's no room, there's no room, there's no space. But that's just such a reckless thing to do. It is, it's but that's such a reckless thing to do. I suppose that's why the the foreman wrote yeah. to, to Reagan because he was like, "You are the reason because your administration yeah. decided." To, Listen, is is it that much different different for us right now? Like the last ten years, look look at what's happening. The mental health crisis is real in this country as yeah. well. So it's only a matter of time before we get a fucking mullen going around and doing stuff like that. And what do you do, babe? Like, you know, when you were talk- talking about the kills, right? Mm. I just think, imagine me chilling like Fred, I believe, the mm. retired boxer. Yeah. Imagine just chilling in your front garden, having a little beer. Yeah. You know, somebody's just tidying up, yeah. doing stuff. Like, you know, probably... And you get shot in the head and you don't even know, you won't even have a second to react. You it won't was... even know what went on. No. You just die and then... That's it. And he just retired. He was just enjoying yeah. his, you know. And the four boys as well. They're probably just like messing around, yeah. having it. Like imagine being in a situation where you're not even prepared for it. No. You're just not prepared for death because you don't expect anything like this no. to happen. No, because they were just chilling in the woods and then this fucking weirdo yeah. comes up and they're just having a chat. Because it was a friendly yeah. chat to start yeah. with. And he was like, oh no, you guys need to just fucking yeah. move away. They were like, nah, bro, you're good. And then he just goes... Okay, well, I'm going to murder If you. I'm ever in the woods, babe, I don't want anyone chatting to me. I don't want no stranger that is, that is chatting true. to me. That is true. Yeah, I don't even want to take the chance you know right now. If I ever go camping, my biggest fear is people, not the animals. No. I am scared of people approaching yeah. because that is where the true evil lies. Yeah. If I get eaten by a bear, then fuck it, so be it. <laughs> but luckily we don't have bears these, this side of the channel. <laughs> no, we don't. We're good. We're safe. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's also crazy that he was actually kind of, um, acquaintances with Ed Kemper. That's crazy. Mm. And Ed Kemper is, uh, one of, well, obviously, don't, he's, he's a horrific human being yeah. as well, but he's. Two different kind of murderers in this situation. Very different. But yeah, he's, very Ed different. Kemper is very much one of my, um, points of interest, I would say. Very interesting. So yeah, it's, it's insane how two different killers kind of um, happen to come across each other in prison and have an argument over soap. There you go. Who would have thought? <laughs> and then he tried to control him by like splashing water and like, there's a, a word for it, like positive reinforcement or something like yeah, that, right? Yeah, especially yeah, like... So he actually yeah. tried to like, it's crazy. That's train crazy him. to me. Yeah. That he tried to train him and um, and it worked as well, right? It did. Yeah. It so... did. There was also, I didn't, so there's a whole, if you go on YouTube, you can find actually um, Ed talking about the whole thing. Uh, and yeah, he would basically like put peanuts. They had like kind of bars in between their cells and he would train him. I don't know. I don't want to lie to you exactly how it went. I I watched it the other day, but I kind of I don't remember now. Um, check it out because he literally did like Pavlov's dog oh, wow. experiment on Mullen. He really did. It's it's fucking insane. Ed Ed is a different kind of breed of um yeah of a killer and a person. I suppose it's just really insane. And yeah, then he would spray him with water. And he was like, "How do you get me with water every time?" Because he literally like it's insane. It's insane. You need, yeah. I'll, I'm definitely going to check it out. Don't. I am. Yeah, I'll post. I'll post a link to our to Insta or something. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> really, it's really, yeah. really weird. I'd like to listen to what he said, and but... also just seeing Ed because you know Ed just seems so fucking sane. Oh my goodness! Just a crazy, regular yeah. bloke. It's insane. So uh, I'm going to post a link. 
So those are the craziest that. ones because you're literally watching them and you f- you forget almost that what they've what, done. Yeah, because they're just so normal. Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. It's Whereas, really weird. Yeah, but the, uh, I do feel sorry for this guy because and we did a story similar to mm. um not very similar in the but you know same sort of mental um, illness, illness issue. Yeah. And we spoke about it slightly uh, a few episodes ago, I think. And uh, there's really not much you can do when your family member or friend is in that situation. Yeah. And especially at this time with the war that happened and all the other stuff that was going on and drugs yeah. being so thing. Nobody had the time or the patience to deal with it or the facility or the money. No. There's a lot going on here. So it was unfortunate. Um, the, it's so sad for all the victims. From the incredibly first one, the young girl that got like cut up. And- oh yeah, speaking of, so obviously he wasn't charged with the first three victims, yeah. and I could not work out why, but I think maybe it was partially because obviously he was claimed insane yeah. for, but eventually he was charged with um the father, Tomei. It makes one, kind but of he sense. left fingerprints there, and okay. it was kind of like, but I think I've, I'm not sure if it was because he was basically like, he was insane for the first yeah. three. Or if it was because they couldn't really get enough evidence and they just didn't bother because they hadn't for the rest of them. I couldn't quite quite find it. No. But yeah, I mean, he he's done for the 10 of them anyway. Yeah. Well, 11 with Father Tommy anyway. Darcy, give us give us a different story to end on. I don't know if it's going to be a good... Um, it's going to be a sad ending anyway. <laughs> if you wrote to John Wayne Gacy when he was in prison... He would send you a questionnaire to see if you were good enough to be his friends with him before he carried on, you know. My sick prick. <laughs> but like, like just the audacity, like already people are writing to you is a big deal, mate, because you've done some dodgy stuff. Mm, I think you'd be surprised met... how many people Oh, that's write very to true. Him. Very true. There was a whole thing about this. It's a completely separate yeah. true crime story about this um, psychology student, I believe. Yeah. I'm not going to give away too many spoilers because I don't really remember the story very well, but he did pretend to be like John Wayne's um, perfect victim. And so he filled it out from the psychological kind of point of view of his perfect victim. He got to meet him. He was terrified because he got to meet him in person. It was just like, we'll cover this story. Wow, one day anyway. that sounds so yeah. interesting. Oh my God, it's seriously, it's insane. Would you do something if you were in that kind of a field? I thing? totally would. You to, not not what he did, but I would I some do you know what this? Uh, I think I would meet them if there was if it had something to do with what I would say if I was writing a paper if you were researching researching yeah, or yeah. something to do with work. I'd, otherwise, Absolutely, I would yeah. not be writing to these guys or girls or know, these prisoners. I sometimes have this kind of like basically in Canada they have this thing where they probably have it everywhere, but I kind of write an inmate or something yeah. like that. And I I went. For, on this website I heard about it on some other yeah. true crime podcast and I was like I'm going to give it a go I'll check it out okay I think that's a little bit that's more like charitable stuff babe because some of these inmates have no but is it though because there's the sick mind in me that was just looking at the worst offenders to see what they look okay. like because they literally post a picture of themselves and what, what they they're did, in yeah? for and then wow. they have like it's literally like kind of like pen pals that's crazy but, yeah and I was just looking at it and I was like I'm terrified. No, I kind of want to speak to you. It's not an interest of mine, but I can understand why, though. Yeah. Because, uh, but then would they freely talk about what they did? No, probably not. I, I wouldn't. If, say if there was like a, like a murderer or something like, you know, somebody that's done some serious stuff, I'd be curious to find out why yeah. he did it, what his reasons were. But I they're not going to tell you the truth. Yeah, and, and they and they are probably master manipulators, babe. Yeah. Most of these, like, you know, high-end criminals. High-end? <laughs> I don't think that's All right, right don't way. give them too much credit. No, like these, like, you know, these crazy, 
crazy top tier criminals they tend to like they know how to play with the human mind and get yeah. people to do things for them no and that's why I'm just like I kind of want to speak to a couple of them but I'm like yeah. why? what am I going to do like I don't want to give them any hopes of actual yeah. friendship it's just more selfish on my part but if he sends me a questionnaire to to vet if I'm good enough to that's be his cheeky friend, as I'll fuck, be like you know bye yeah honestly yeah. <laughs> I know that's that's something else yeah. Yeah. All of these guys really thought some stuff. It's just like they think they're themselves. fucking divas. Yeah, they really do, don't they? All right, Maria Carey, fucking calm down with a questionnaire. You're in prison for murders. Yeah, I know. No. Well, unfortunately, yeah. People like me give them attention. <laughs> so we all do, but like, <laughs> we all do. but we're not the crazy ones. Like, you know, the, no, I would never the ones actually that go like no. go to the the courtrooms court and flash their tits, and uh, you know, there's some crazy stuff out there. The ones yeah. that send love letters, we're not that crazy. No, no, no. We're just curious about the crime. I just, I just lurk. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I have no intention we're of not, actually. Like, we don't, don't want to marry them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. Guys, please, if you interact with them please let us know drop us an, an email at uh, podofterra.gmail.com we want to know we're nosy <laughs> anyway thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next Thursday thank you bye wait before you go we would love to hear some feedback so if you could leave us a review or drop us an email at podofterra.gmail.com or find us on any social media at podofterra we would love to hear from you guys bye